You're listening to the Next Shot Podcast, the show that brings photographers, educators, and industry leaders to inspire you to create and share your next shot with your host, Justin. Welcome to the Next Shot. I'm your host, Justin Tedford. If you've been a regular listener, thank you and welcome back. If you're new, welcome. Before we get started with today's episode, The Mirrorless Revolution, I want to share some exciting news. The Next Shot is now sponsored by Paul's Photo, the Creative Photo Academy. And people always ask, Justin, where do you get your camera gear? Well, that's easy. I only rely on Paul's Photo. Why is that? Well, one, it's easy. If I have questions, I call or email and I get the correct answer every time and super fast. When they ship my gear, it always ships out same day. It always arrives in a timely manner, well packaged. I can't complain. So call Paul's Photo for your next purchase. You won't be disappointed. If you've been around this photography thing for a moment or two, you've probably heard mirrorless camera. People literally shout this from the rooftops. A lot of people have asked me over the last couple months, Justin, what's this mirrorless thing? I know what a mirrorless camera is for the most part, but should I switch to it? When do I need to? Should I at all? I get so many questions. In today's episode, I'm going to go through what a mirrorless camera is, my mirrorless camera journey, and how I got started on this path, and talk about the differences between a traditional DSLR as well as a mirrorless and those pesky things we call lenses, because this can get confusing. I also recently reached out on my Justin Tedford photography page and asked a lot of my followers, hey guys, what are your questions about mirrorless? I had several people respond with questions. I'm going to answer those questions today on this episode of The Next Shot, The Mirrorless Revolution. So many people ask, have I switched to mirrorless? I have. When? It's been a slow process until recently. I mentioned my progression into the mirrorless camera world has been a very, very, very slow progression. It started, I would say, about six, seven years ago. I was thinking about mirrorless. Sony was coming out with some really high-end cameras. I was super interested. But the biggest complaint I had was cash flow. I wanted to jump in this and do it right. I'm not big on wanting to adapt lenses over to my mirrorless camera, which we'll talk about here in a moment. I was hemming and hawing on and off and on and off about, am I going to go mirrorless? And it wasn't a big deal. At that time, it's still fairly new technology when I worked at PhotoPro. I did actually buy my first mirrorless camera four years ago. I bought a used Olympus Pen F. It was a micro four thirds, so pretty small sensor, but pretty powerful overall. I loved it. It was light. I could take literally four, I think I had four lenses for it and the body and I took it to Disney World and it was super light and super easy. And that's kind of how I got started. And then it kind of sat to the side for two years, year and a half. And I didn't really pick it up. I took it places. It was nice to go here and there with it, take some photographs, but it wasn't like my main camera. So it sat and sat collecting dust. So I thought, you know what? I need a second camera body. To me, that was pure cash sitting there not being used. So I traded it in. I traded it all in, traded my D750 in as well, and I picked up a very, very lightly used Nikon D850. Always wanted a D850, got one. 
it solidified that I was only going to be in the DSLR game from that point until I really, really had to go mirrorless. And at that point, mirrorless wasn't on my mind. Well, each year it seemed I was hearing more and more about mirrorless. And I was always researching and okay, do I go Sony? Do I go Nikon? And I've been an Nikon guy since 2005 um, was my first purchase. And it was a Nikon D70. That was my first digital SLR. So I've always been an Nikon guy. So long ago, I traded all my Nikon lenses for my SLR went Tamron. Loved them, still love them to this day. But the mirrorless was coming out in Nikon. They're really getting pegged pretty hard for, you know, oh, it's not a great camera, the Z6 and the Z7. And I went into Photo Pro when they had one out. I didn't mind it. I liked the size, the weight and everything. But I was panning and I noticed the electronic viewfinder was smeary. It would smear when I panned. I didn't like it. That was enough for me. I think it was just an excuse not to do it. So fast forward about, I don't know, four years. Started thinking. And I had a good amount of cash flow come in. And I thought, you know what? My next camera, I want a second body. I had the D850 and all the lenses, 24-70 and 70-200 and a macro and all those. And I thought, okay, the next camera has to be mirrorless. Because I'm seeing this revolution, really, of people going from the DSLR, it will be the future. And I thought, you know what? At this point, the next camera has to be a mirrorless. So by this time in the Nikon world, they had already released the Nikon Z7 II and the Z6 II. So if you're not familiar with the Nikon realm, the Z6 II and the Z6 are kind of like, in my book, the Nikon D750, if you're familiar with it. And the Z7 and the Z7 II are like your D850. Well, I don't really need 45 megapixels. When I do some commercial work, I like to have it just in case I do have a client that requests a much higher resolution file, but I never photograph anything with it at full resolution. So I shoot it at 24 megapixels. Seems kind of counterintuitive. It probably is, but it is what it is. I thought, you know what, let's in. So I did some research. I went out to Paul's photo, um, went online, ordered my Z6 II. Got it. Loved it for the most part. But I noticed over this last year, I bought it last November, uh, right before Thanksgiving, and I was using it as the second body, but I wasn't picking it up all the time. It wasn't my main camera. I had trust issues. Kind of reminded me of when I switched from film to digital. For me, I kicked and screamed. This digital thing is never going to happen. It's a fad. Film is the only way to go. Boy, was I wrong. I would never, 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 ever go back to film. It's easy. Digital, I can see it there. There's no guessing. There's no messing up. Well, I still mess up, but I can see my mess up right away. So I had the Z6 II. I like big bulky cameras. I love battery grips. I didn't want to spend the 400 freaking dollars that Nikon wanted for a battery grip. It always gives me a bigger camera, better feel. So I really wasn't using it a lot. I'll talk here in a little bit about adapters and adapting lenses over to your mirrorless system if you choose to go that route in the beginning of your transformation into the mirrorless world if you choose to do that and for me I didn't like it it was a big heavy DSLR lens on a fairly you know light camera body and it was very front heavy and I just had some issues with 
the adapter and not really focusing as fast as I want. So it all kind of got pushed to the side. So let's fast forward up till about two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. I went out poking around and I thought, okay, I need to go mirrorless. I already have a mirrorless, but why am I not using my mirrorless? Well, it was one, my main lens that I wholeheartedly shoot 50% of the time is a 70 to 200 to eight. Well, here's the problem. Nikon's is 20 something hundred dollars. I don't want to spend that money. I've been patiently waiting for third-party lenses like Tamron Sigma to come out with lenses. I'm done waiting, to be honest. I have to do this, and I'm glad I did for one big reason. I reached out to Paul's photo and said, Hey, Mark, I'm looking to sell my Tamron 17-35-2.8, my 24-70-2.8, and my D850. What's a trade-in? One thing I love about Paul's photo and Mark and the team is they're straight shooters they don't beat around the bush. They tell you what they see every day in the market. And he goes, Justin, now's the time to go mirrorless fully if you're going to do it because the camera market on the DSLRs and the lenses have just tanked. I did research last year and I think I probably between last year and this year lost about a four to $500 trade-in value. I thought I got to do this. I've gotten this groove where I get a camera and I keep it to the point where it's still got pretty good resale value. And when I get to that point, I trade it in. And I really literally pay very little out of pocket for new gear. He was going to take it in on trade. I threw it out on Facebook. And I literally over a 24-hour period, I sold all my gear. My 70 to 200, 15 to 35, D850. Seven, I had some cash to put in as a trade. Well, not a trade, but, you know, to pay down that lens. So... I bit the bullet and I bought the Nikon 70-200-2.8 for the Z mount. I patiently waited to get it from California. It arrived and I fell in love. That thing is light. It's the lightest 70-200-2.8 I've ever had in my hands. It feels really nice on the camera. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got to go mirrorless. And then I already have a 24-70 f4. I'm a 2.8 guy. I got to do this, so I'll trade in the 24 to 70 f4, and I will pick up a wide angle and a standard 24 to 70 to 8. So again, I emailed Mark at Paul's photo and said, Mark, I really want a 24 to 70 to 8 uh, S from Nikon in the Z mount, and I also want the 14 to 24 to 8 S, but guess what? Eh, it's not all in the budget. I could get one or the other, but I really want to have those three lenses. So Mark's like, Justin, here's what you need to do. He's like, use the 24-70 F4. That's what I use. Okay, I trust it because I trust him. Do I really need 2.8 for about 90% of what I do? No. He's like, keep that. Eventually buy the 24-70 2.8. Then he said, I use the 14-30 F4 for the wide angle. I love it. And he gave me the pluses. You know what? He goes the 14 to 24 S 2.8 version. You, you know, it's hard to put filters on. I don't even believe you can. I didn't research it that much. But the 14 to 30 F4, you can put a filter on. It's an 82 millimeter filter. Bingo. For me, all my filters are roughly 82 millimeters because of the former Tamron 7, or uh, sorry, Tamron 24 to 70 2.8. And I was like, perfect. So, 
he hooked me up. He told me what I needed to do. I trusted it. I did my research as well. I agreed with all that. So I did it. I sold all my gear. I'm now 100% mirrorless. And I was very kind of sick in my gut about it. To me, mirrorless is all so new. Does the mirrorless camera, shutter speed, aperture, and ISO, is it still the same? Well, duh. You know, it is. None of that's changed. Everything I know about photography is there. It hasn't changed. It's just a new form of technology. And I remember people having to drag me by my hair into the digital world. Well, that's kind of what mirrorless has been for me. And I did it. And I thought, you know what? It's the time to do it. A long way around. That's how I got into mirrorless. It literally went from a very slow, slow creep to like wham, bam, like whiplash kind of thing. So that's my mirrorless journey. So like I said, I was going to answer some people's questions. But I think first of all, before we even get really deep diving into mirrorless cameras, first we should know what is a mirrorless camera? Well, it's pretty what it says it is. It's mirrorless. So in theory, a mirrorless camera, it's a type of camera that works without a reflex mirror. So a DSLR has a reflex mirror in it, which I'll go through here in a moment. So what happens is the light passes through the lens and directly to the digital sensor. Simple as that, which then obviously is going to display your image on the camera's LCD screen, allowing you to adjust settings and preview your image even before it's shot with the electronic viewfinder. That's what I love about the EVF. You'll hear people say the EVF. Well, what is that? Electronic viewfinder. That's what I hated a long time ago on mirrorless. I patiently waited and that technology got way better. So before you go click of the shutter, you can see what's gonna be too dark if it's overexposed and it's too bright before you even take a picture. That right there is a game changer, I think, for most people. In a nutshell, that's what a mirrorless camera is. People say, what is the difference between that traditional DSLR and the mirrorless? A traditional DSLR has a mirror in it, and mirrorless does not have a mirror. Now, there are millions and millions of other things that they all do, but I could be here for days and days and days talking about this. A traditional DSLR have mirrors. The mirrors are there to direct light coming through the lens and it bounces around off the two mirrors and up through the viewfinder so us as photographers can frame our shot. Simple as that. It also helps that the mirror will also direct light onto the dedicated autofocus sensor as well, auto exposure sensors, all that good stuff. But we're not going to get super technical about it. You know, again, in a nutshell, a traditional DSLR has that mirror. A mirrorless? Yeah, it's easy. Mirrorless. We have no mirror. There's a lot of advantages, and I'll go through that in a little bit. As photographers, we have tools in our toolbox, whether it's techniques or just how we edit. What's one of the biggest tools we have as a photographer besides the camera and your memory card? Well, it's lenses. And I think this is where it gets sticky in the world of mirrorless, and not for everybody. I'm talking about the big three players in the camera world. I could be here all day if I start throwing Panasonic and Olympus and Fuji. I probably should have put Fuji in here because they are a pretty big player. One thing with Fuji is they do not make a full frame censored mirrorless camera. They only do APS-C, which that's a whole nother story. But they do a medium format. But again, we won't go there. Lenses. This is pretty important. I always tell people 
the camera is just a black box. The most important thing behind the black box, aka the camera, is you, the photographer, the six inches behind the viewfinder. I see so many people, whether it's a mirrorless or SLR purchase there, I need the best camera. It's going to give me the best quality and I don't have to do anything because it gets what it's going to do it for me. Well, the quality isn't coming from the camera necessarily. I mean, you're going to have megapixels, which is going to capture more detail. It's going to allow you to make bigger, more beautiful prints. But I always tell people, if you spend all your money on the camera body and save little to no money for lenses, that's where you fall short. The quality of sharpness comes from a lens because let's say you have a really low quality lens for some reason. You have a big, big, giant megapixel camera, 45 megapixel camera, or like Sony's now, 60 megapixels. I know there's some out there that even go beyond the 60 megapixel range. Guess what happens? You put a crappy lens on this big 60 megapixel sensor. Now all you do is create really big, crappy photos because the quality comes from the lens. I'm going to answer a few questions here in the end that kind of pertain to this too, but save some money and go more lens-based than body. Bodies are replaceable every couple of years, given. Lenses are investments. Bodies are not, to be honest. That's the way I look at it. When we look at lenses, I think Nikon gets pretty sticky for most people. And then Sony and Canon are pretty easy. In the world of Nikon, we have what we call the Z-mount. So in the U.S., we call it Z-mount. Everybody else in the world calls it Z. I don't know why we don't call it Z. It don't much matter to me. When you're looking at lenses, you have lenses that fit full-frame sensors. You work with the full-frame camera. But what happens is you can take that full-frame lens, put it on a crop sensor camera, and it'll work. Well, then what happens is if we take a crop sensor lens and we put it on a full-frame it will work on a Nikon. What happens is it crops it down. Now, whether it crops it down automatically or whatever, we're not going to go there. The DX mount for crop sensors at Nikon. And then we had the full frame. As I was looking into this information for the podcast, they call everything at Nikon Z mount. Well, that's kind of confusing because to me and what I know, well, how do I know if it's a crop sensor? They do make some crop sensor mirrorless cameras. Decide if you're going to go crop or full frame. That's not a big deal. I can help figure that all out if you need. Give me a call or an email, justin at tedfordphoto.com, and I can help you out with that. Let's jump back to lenses. We have the Z mount, and then I stumbled on the ZDX. Then there's this other thing, this S thing. What is S for? Well, this is their S line. This is like the cream of the crop Z lenses. They were developed to have a higher level of optical performance. My 24 to 70 is an S lens. 70 to 200 is a S series lens. And guess what? My 14 to 30 is also an S series. Think of that as the cream of the crop, the best of the optical performance. But with the best of the best comes a price. Let's get into Sony now. Sony has what they call the E-mount. That's the crop sensor, if I remember correctly. If you have an A6000 or an A6400 or whatever else is out now these days, the E-mount, you'll hear a lot of people refer to the E-mount as kind of mirrorless in general. When I did a little research, E-mount is pretty much like crop sensor. And then there's the FE mount. The FE mount is the full frame lens. So FEs, 
for Sony, that's your full frame. Your E-mount is your crop sensor. Very easy, a lot easier than Nikon as you're trying to figure all this out. Canon has also developed their line of mirrorless cameras. Canon has the RF and the RFS. So if I remember right, the RF is the full frame and the RF-S is the crop sensor. If you are a Canon user, think of the RF is the EF mount. So if you try to start taking the DSLR world of their lenses and convert that information over to the mirrorless, the RF is their full frame lenses. Pretty easy on the Canon, pretty easy on the Sony. Nikon gets a little sticky, but once you get into it and figure it all out, it's pretty fairly easy. That's the difference between your traditional DSLR and your mirrorless and a little touch on lenses and the different mounts. We went through what is the mirrorless camera in general. Let's get to three questions or ish, four questions actually, from my followers on Facebook. I thought these were all four very good things I can discuss a little bit more in depth. It may cover some of the other things we've already talked about, but Ashley had asked me, I want to make the switch from DSLR to mirrorless, but I don't know where to start. I think that's everybody's issue. And that is hard, Ashley, because you, what do you do? So I don't care whether you're buying a digital SLR or you're buying a mirrorless or whatever you're going to do, any piece of gear, Ashley, what you do is you got to think about what do I photograph? Nikon, there was always the entry level, the mid-range, and the pro bodies. Every camera company has that lineup. Nikon, there's like the Z5, and then you have the Z6, 2, the Z7, 2. Then you also have the Z9, which is like the Nikon D6. That's like your flagship camera. So when it comes down to where do I go, what body? what lenses. So I always recommend if you're getting into mirrorless or any camera for that matter is maybe you already own a DSLR. And I'll talk about that here in a minute as well. What can we do with those lenses besides trading them in? There are pros and cons to that, but we'll get into that in a minute. But you need to think about what am I going to photograph? What lenses do I truly need? Like I did. I really need the 70 to 200 more than I need a wide angle. That's what I did. I made those decisions based off what I photographed most. Do I want some other lenses? Yes, like a macro. How often do I use a macro? Very rarely. So you almost need to sit down, and I would use the website dpreview.com. And on DP Review, you can go out, and I'll put this in the show notes as well, the link to it. And what that is, is you can go in and say, I'm thinking about the Nikon Z5 and the Z6 II. Instead of making a spreadsheet and putting in information, this will take all the specs of the Z5 and the Z6 II or whatever cameras you're comparing. You could compare everything in the Nikon lineup and look at the line megapixels. It's gonna tell you right across the line what all the megapixels are. And all this can help you. Maybe you had a crop sensor DSLR. Maybe you'll stay with a crop sensor mirrorless. You're really into photography and you're getting into it more and you want to go full frame. I think an easier way to get started is you just have to start doing the research and don't jump on anything. I do that all the time. It's like, boy, I want it, want it now. Really do your research, dig into it and say, okay, is it a want or a need? That's how I'm looking at stuff. They have another camera out, Nikon does, called the Z30. It is no 
EVF or electronic viewfinder, it's just got a screen. But this camera has really been pushed as a content creation tool. And as I look into 2023 and what I want to do, I want to create more content, video content. I thought, man, right now I can get the camera for $849 with a 16 to 50 millimeter lens and the creator kit, which comes with the Bluetooth remote, the mic, and the tripod. That's awesome. I'm really after rebate paying $50 for a $150 add-on kit. I've almost pulled the trigger to buy that like five times literally today. And I thought, is it a want or a need? To me, at this point, I've decided it's a want. Can I make content with my Z6 II? Yes. Let's say I want my Z6 II in the video. Can I use my cell phone? Yes, I can. And is anybody going to know? No. Does everybody want a Z9? Yes, they do. Does everybody need a Z9? No. So think of it that way. Do your research and take your time. Chris J asks, why is mirrorless the way to go instead of DSLR other than the sensor and the mirror? What's the major benefit? It's not at this point, if you want to go mirrorless, you are going to have to go mirrorless eventually. Why do I say that? Well, they are getting rid of all their F mounts at Nikon. They're discontinuing. And Canon's getting rid of all their EFS, EFS and EF lenses. What does that mean for you? When Nikon or Canon discontinues a camera body or a lens, you have roughly five years for there to be any support. Let's say you've got your D850 and you're just chugging along and the shutter goes out. Well, you can't take pictures anymore. You got to send it in for repair. If it's 10 years from now, Con's probably not going to have parts at that point. They're not supporting it anymore. You may have an independent re repair facility somewhere that has parts, but they're probably scavenging them out of old broken D850s. You know, so that's one of the big things. I don't want to call that a benefit, but eventually you're going to be pushed into buying this, whether you want to or not. I would do it on your own terms. And the other thing right now is if you are looking to do that trade in, things are tanked, man, on the prices. So trade your stuff in now and get the top dollar that you can. Outside of those two things, I don't know if I'd call it the benefit, but one of the biggest benefits for me, they are small and light. I can fit way more lenses and cameras in a bag. I could lug that thing around all day on my shoulder and have no problems. I shot a wedding with a photographer friend back at the end of, oh, was it this year? I think it was this year. Who knows? These last couple of years have just dragged on. But I did a wedding. Um, I carried my D850 with the battery grip and all my lenses in my think tank belt system. God, was it heavy. My shoulders hurt when I get home. My back hurts. Middle of my shoulders hurt. It's heavy, but the mirrorless, it's literally light. These lenses are getting super light. Originally, we didn't have all these lenses. Nikon had no lenses. Canon had no lenses, but they have lit a fire on lens production. Have every lens you truly would need in the mirrorless world for the most part without some of the weird specialty lenses like tilt shifts, things like that. But you want a big 400 to eight, they make it. The big thing is size. Those lenses that used to be like 10 pounds are really light. It's a size and weight thing. I see that is the biggest and most major benefit of all. There are a lot of other things and I may go into some of those here momentarily. Pam asked, 
Can I still use my DSLR lenses with a mirrorless body? Would I need a converter? I'm assuming those are universal and would only need one and the cost. Well, let's start out is yes, Pam, you can use your DSLR lenses on your mirrorless body. And yes, you are correct. You do need an adapter. Those are not universal. There are a lot of adapters out there. Let's start out with Nikon. Nikon made the FTZ adapter, but now they have the new TZ2. On the front of this adapter has the traditional Nikon F mount. On the back side of the adapter, it has the Z mount. So that goes between my F mount lens and my body. And it allows me to use my F mount lenses pretty easily on the camera, which is awesome. I was using third party lenses. They say it works well. It does work very well. Don't get me wrong, but I will say I thought the autofocus was a little bit slower in my opinion. When I put my Nikon 50mm 1.8 on there, it was like putting it on my actual Nikon D850. I didn't see any lag or any issues coming up with the focus because I was putting Nikon to Nikon, not Tamron to Nikon or Sigma to Nikon. So yes, there is the F mount to the adapter. Now, the FTZ2, as of this morning, was currently running $250. So in the grand scheme of lenses and photography, that it's a pretty affordable. This is how I think most people probably start out. Take your lenses, buy an adapter for $250, get into the mirrorless body and adapt your lenses. If you don't make the giant shift at once by buying all mirrorless lenses and a mirrorless camera, you know, that's a big, 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 like financial obligation to go straight from all the lenses you have over to mirrorless. You're about $2,400 for the 70 to 200. If you had a 24 to 70 to eight, depending on which version you go with at Nikon, you could be another 2K. And then if you go for a wide angle, you're looking at 2K again, or about 1150 for the F4 version. So between two lenses, I had 20-ish hundred dollars wrapped up in one and another 1150 on the other. Mind you, I took advantages of the rebates that are going on right now. So I could have spent a lot more money. This is an easy way to get started is adapting your lenses over. Now, if you're a Canon user, the Canon has the Canon mount adapter. It's the EF EOS R EF to EFS to R mount. That's what they call it. They make two adapters. There is one which is just a standard adapter. It goes from the mirrorless to your EFS, EF lenses. It was $99. Pretty affordable, actually really affordable. And then they had one for $199. I read up on that one. That one is just the same thing, but it has a ring that's customizable that you customize and have it do different things. So on a Canon, you're about $100 to $200. Sony. Where do we start with Sony? Sony got into the game really early. They were smart. They saw the future. In my opinion, drove the rest of the manufacturers to go mirrorless. Is that a bad thing? No, because eventually something was going to come up in the world. They just helped it move along. When that first started, there was no other lenses. There was a very small number of lenses available for the mirrorless cameras. All these companies saying, we can make an adapter to take your Nikon lens and put it over to the Sony. Yeah, those didn't work as well. 
Nikon's a little more finicky or Canon's work pretty well if I remember right. People are going to Sony and taking their EF lenses and putting them over to Sony and it was working. Then people are starting to come up with all these. Then they did an autofocus. That's how it first started out. And as everything in the photography world evolves, we started getting all these different mounts that do all the things and gives you all the information you need for autofocus and exposure. And that I could go into for another hour if I wanted. But what happened is they got that rolling. There's just a lot of different ones because you can take other lenses. I was thinking actually about selling my Z6 II and going Sony because there was a lot more third-party lenses available for that. I was like, well, do I want it? I don't know. I don't want to spend the money on a Sony, to be honest. They're very expensive and not in a bad way, but they're just a little pricier. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I was like, I don't know. I finally just gave up and was like, stop thinking about it. That's what I did. Then I saw this adapter, this like sub $300 adapter that supposedly works very well where I could buy Tamron E-mount lenses because they have a lot of them and adapt it over to my Nikon Z series. I was like, hmm. I always go back to, I don't like adapters. I don't like adapters. So I said, no, well, I spend $250 to buy E-mount lenses because my plan was to buy E-mount lenses for a lot less, get everything I needed, use the adapter, save up some more cash, ditch the Z6 II, and then buy a Sony mirrorless. Seemed like a great plan. I think it still could be a good plan with that adapter, but I'm a Nikon fanboy. I'm sorry. I am married to Nikon to the day I die, I'm pretty sure. I'll always be Nikon. I said no. And now that I bought the 70-200-28, that has solidified that yes. I am 120% into the Nikon mirrorless world. So, you know, Pam, you can use the adapters. That's where I would start out at. Connie says, what is the biggest adjustment when transitioning to mirrorless besides my pocketbook? So besides the financial cost, what's the biggest adjustment? I think for a lot of people, I've got about five or so-ish points here, but I think for a big is size and weight. It's not big, but for some people, you're used to a big bulky camera. You can get a battery grip that's on my list too, all things like that, to make it feel bigger. Some people don't like that. Some people are like, Justin, that's counterintuitive. So counterintuitive because you got a mirrorless and it's supposed to be small and light and I don't know. Well, whatever. I like a big camera. It don't matter to me to each their own. But I think for you, Connie, it may be size and weight. You're so used to a bigger, heavier camera that you may be like, "Woo, this is really light. That opens up a lot of doors as well. You might take it everywhere now. You probably go hike with it more, things like that. Why? Because it's small and light. I think one of the other biggest adjustments is, and it's not a bad adjustment, is switching from the DSLR viewfinder, which is optical, and as I said, the light comes through the lens, bounces off the mirror, so we can compose a shot. It's like lighting up our viewfinder to the EVF or the electronic viewfinder. That was a game changer for me because before we click the shutter, I can see if I'm underexposed or overexposed. So I can make those fine tune adjustments in the camera before I click a shutter. What does that do for me? I don't take a bunch of photos where I miscalculate or I don't like it or I think maybe I really want it really underexposed for a real dramatic or the light and airy look at everybody does at weddings and overexpose it. If I don't like it, I don't take the picture, which then I'm not sitting in post-process of going through images to delete that I don't want to bring into Lightroom. 
I talked about in a previous podcast, finding your photographic process. Well, you might have to switch your photographic process up. And it won't be bad switch up because it'll probably be a lot less work. But here's the biggest one, I think. The biggest adjustment and take into consideration in your budget when you buy a mirrorless camera. That is battery life. Think about cars. Cars took a lot more gas. They weren't as fuel efficient. Cameras were the same way. We went to digital. They sucked batteries. You had to have seven batteries at one time because those things just sucked batteries like no other. As technology progressed, the cameras became more efficient and processors helping with battery and blah, 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 all that good stuff. Guess what? I can shoot an entire wedding literally on one Nikon E&EL15B battery. I still have four of those. Battery life is drastically reduced on the mirrorless, I think, because everything's electronic. Electronic viewfinder. The screen on the back obviously is electronic, like all digital SLRs, but they do eat batteries a lot more. I would say when you purchase your first mirrorless, buy at least one extra battery, if not two. Let me harp on batteries for a moment. Do not, I repeat, do not waste your time on cheap batteries. You're like, wow, I can go to Amazon and I can get four batteries for the price of one Nikon or Sony or Canon or whatever. Well, yeah, you're going to charge them all the time because they don't always hold a charge very well. They're kind of crappy. All you're doing is charging batteries. I also tell you, that most cameras now, when you put in a non-manufactured battery, so it's not labeled Nikon or name brand battery, you're using a Watson battery that B&H sells. I hate those things. They're cheap. And what happens is you go to put that battery in, and Nikon and Canon, I think Canon does it too, is it will say, this is not a supported accessory. And guess what? It doesn't show your battery life. Some people are like, oh, I don't care. You should. You should care. Because you don't know what the battery life is. I'm not talking about longevity of battery life. I am talking about I'm at a wedding and I don't see battery life and I'm click clacking away on the shutter and I may have one bar left on that battery and I don't realize as I'm taking pictures, the battery goes dead while I'm transferring pictures through the buffer to my memory card. Guess what happens or the possibility of what happens. I corrupt a memory card. I don't care whether you're doing a wedding, you're doing this professionally or part time. What happens is you're going to corrupt a card and you're going to possibly lose photos. Now, can we possibly recover those? Yes, but just be careful on your batteries. Just get them. I don't like paying $69.99 for an Nikon battery. I do not, but I know what can happen when I don't spend the $69.99. So $69.99 is not bad because you go to some places and they'll want to recover a memory card because it's corrupt. And guess what? You could buy a whole boatload of batteries for that price. Battery life is going to be crazy. It's going to be a lot less than what you're normally on your DSLR. Let's talk about number four, quieter. And that can be for two reasons. One, you don't have the, the mirror whacking the top of the camera. What's really cool about mirrorless is you can go a mechanical shutter, where it's actually physically opening and closing a shutter like our DSLR, or we can go a electronic shutter. I can make my Nikon Z6 II 100% quiet. You will not know I'm taking a picture. It's silent. It threw me off. I accidentally switched it over to electronic shutter one day, and I could not figure why I could not hear. I'm a very visual photographer, obviously, but I use my senses of hearing too. Like when I hear the beep, 
I know it's in focus. So I'm using other senses. And I was like, uh-oh, what's wrong with the camera? Oh, uh, guess what? I had the electronic shutter on and it was quiet, 100% quiet. Great for your wedding shooter. When I shoot a wedding and everything's silent, the ceremony, and you're over there, click, 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 and everybody hears it. Well, they know you're the photographer, but I feel so weird about it because it draws attention to me. The other big adjustment too, when you have a big camera, you're not discreet. And you might notice that people, if you're doing candid family photos, they don't realize you have a camera. It's a lot smaller. If you're out on the streets doing street photography, people aren't going to be like, what are you doing? I will tell you, if you have a big camera, there will people think everybody with a giant black camera is a professional and you shouldn't be taking pictures of this because you're a professional and no, 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 well, whatever. When you have a small camera, people, for some godly reason, associate small cameras, not professional. I had heard of some photographers going to weddings and they're like, when they all switched over to mirrorless, and they're like, are you sure you're, you're a professional photographer? Because your camera's not very big, and it's so funny, but we won't go there. But it is quieter, so you might find out that might be a little bit of an adjustment. But I think one of the biggest, biggest adjustments is being able to see the effect of you changing settings in real time, whether it's the LCD screen or the EVF. Um, I talked about that a little bit, but... It's crazy. You can see it before you click the shutter. That's awesome. My Nikon D850, I could have live view exposure, meaning I could use the live view on the screen and I could see the adjustment happen. But guess what? On a bright sunny day, it was washed out. Now I can go, well, actually, I'm going to throw this one in here. I just thought of this, but let's go back a step. I can now have my electronic viewfinder up to my eye. I can change my shutter speed, aperture, and ISO, and obviously I can see that change. Here's an awesome one I just thought of. We've all been there where you take a picture and you want to see it right on the back of the camera on a bright sunny day. And you're like cupping your hand around the LCD and you're trying to shade it so you can see it and it looks okay, but not great. So you make changes and then you get into 100% shade of your back home looking at the images on the computers. Guess what? Those ones that you thought were too bright because they were washed out in the sun were perfectly fine. And then you made adjustments to correct for that. And those looked fine in the sun and on the computer, find out they're too dark or whatever. Now you can hit preview and bring your viewfinder, that EVF up to your eyeball and look through it and see your picture through the EVF. I think that's a big adjustment too, Connie. I could be here all day, Connie, talking to you and about what would be your biggest adjustments, but I think size and weight, switching from the optical viewfinder to the EVF, obviously battery life, being quieter, and that real-time exposure changes. Those are probably, I think, five big ones. So that is it for today's episode. We are going to wrap up the mirrorless revolution and if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me at Justin Tedford Photography on Facebook. I'm more than welcome to help you out in your mirrorless journey or any of your photography journey for that matter. All you have to do is reach out, email me at justin at tedfordphoto.com. So again, I thank you. Thank you to Paul's Photo and the Creative Photo Academy for sponsoring the next shot. Hopefully I inspired you to create images and share your images with the rest of the world. And all this information will help you create your next shot. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at nextshotpodcast.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, share, and review. Don't forget to join us for another episode of The Next Shot. See you guys next time. 